Frighters, I'm Holland Elise, and this is Fight or Fright. Welcome to Fight or Fright. Welcome, 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 welcome to Fight or Fright. <laughs> Taking it back to my roots, I did that on my first episode. So, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fight or Fright. I am so glad that you guys are here, that you're listening. Please tell your friends. I love doing this so much, and I've just, like, seen an increase in numbers, and I love it. It's amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening. And this week is a really weird, fucked-up, crazy case, and I don't want to do too much in the beginning. I feel like this is going to be a long one, or at least longer than mine usually are, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, so this week I am going to be talking about the Vampire of Barcelona, also known as Enriqueta Marti. And I am sorry, I am a American and I am gonna do my best at pronouncing these names. I probably will not get them right. If you want to correct me, I'll correct whatever corrections I need to make on the next episode, but I'm doing my best. I don't know how to pronounce all the things. We'll see how this goes. We're on this journey together, guys. (laughs) Anyway, so let's take a trip. We're getting into that time machine, going back to the past, and this week, Fight or Fright is also going international. So... I came across this case and was super intrigued. I could not stop researching it. I kept looking things up, and it's probably one of the most interesting cases that I've done. And I just, it was so much fun to look at this case. And I hope you guys enjoy, because I have never heard of this case before. I got it on the Googs, and... I was super intrigued by it and wanted to bring it to you guys because I'd never heard of it. But I probably feel like some people from Barcelona have heard of it because that's where this takes place. It's a part of their history. But for me, I'd never heard of this being an American and I loved it so much. It was so horrible, tragic, interesting. I don't know. It's a fucked up case, though. That's what I can tell you. (laughs) So anyway... Enriqueta Marti was born in Spain in 1868. The name of her family's land was Sant Felu de Yebregart. Not 100% sure that's true. Yebregart, something around there. And there's not much on her childhood, but when she was young, she ended up moving to Barcelona. And she had jobs as a maidservant, a nanny, and all of that kind of stuff when you first moved there. My guess is just kind of like here, a lot of the stuff that women could do, unfortunately, was just like being a maid, taking care of the kids, those kind of things. Um, but before I get too much into this case, I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson, y'all. So... During the 1800s and early 1900s, there was a huge migration from rural areas in Spain to Barcelona. People moved there hoping for a better life, good work, all of that kind of shit. Just kind of like why people came 
in a different way, but kind of why people came to America, to kind of create a better life for themselves. They thought if they weren't in rural areas and they moved to Barcelona, which is a little bit better and known as like, I think it was the Pearl of the Mediterranean or something like that. It was known as the Pearl of something, and I'm very sorry. But this ended up adding to the population in Barcelona, and it made the poor poorer, and the poor areas were known as the 5th District and El Ravel. In these areas, up to 30 people could live in one home, and the average death rate or age was 41 years old, and infant mortality was at 17%. I mean, I know it's the 1800s, but just it's crazy to think about that kind of infant mortality rate. And it was because they were poor, they didn't have the means, and all of those things. So the El Ravel and 5th District was also known as the Red Light District. Barcelona was the center of pornography at this time, Barcelona's and film, postcards, and all of that kind of pornography across the world, especially Europe and America, as we know from killers like Jack the Ripper and all of those kind of things. I mean, this bitch has watched a lot of Criminal Minds and a lot of that kind of shit. So sadly, a lot of killers at this time and now, unfortunately, like sex work is known as a high-risk activity. It was then, and it is now. It's probably one of the oldest professions for women, but it's also one of the most high-risk activities. And I'm not saying anything about the people who do sex work. I'm just saying that it's it's referred to as a high-risk activity and high-risk profession. The 5th District and El Ravel were known to have young kids and just women in general disappear, go missing, basically from the face of the earth. So it was a different time, but also there was a lot of migration, a lot of stuff happening, and Barcelona was getting a growth in their population. So (laughs) that minor history lesson, which I've never really done before, but that minor history lesson, it does have a point, I promise. Just keep listening to this story. So Enriqueta Once she moved to Barcelona, she started prostituting. She was a maidservant and a nanny, but pretty fucking quickly she started prostituting. That's what our article said. For the rest of this, I'm just going to refer to it as sex work. She was in the profession of sex work. That's what she did. And can I just say, I saw pictures of her, and this bitch is not a looker. And I'm usually not going to judge someone's looks because... This girl has had plenty of self-image issues, but this lady was a piece of shit. She was an awful, horrible, garbage human being. So, she, in that time, used her looks to get money, which is why she did sex work. She had a decent job, to me, given her lack of looks. And at this time, sex workers frequented Port of Barcelona and... Portal de Santa Madrona, Portal de Santa Madrona. Sorry, I am not the best at Spanish. I took like four years of it in high school, but that's kind of it. So I'm very sorry, Spain. But these are the places that Enriqueta frequented. These were the places that people frequented, especially when you were in sex work. This is where they were. So in 1895, 
Enriqueta married a painter named Juan Pujalo. They were together and married for a while, but eventually the marriage ended up failing because of Enriqueta's prostitution, infidelity, erotic behavior, visits to houses of disrepute, or, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I didn't find like 100%, but I'm pretty sure that by houses of disrepute, they meant brothels. Just kind of making that leap, that jump. But these two were married, but they were like off and on, separated together, all of that kind of shit for like six times before they ended up calling it quits for realsies. After the sixth time, when they split up, they were done. And if my math is correct, which it's probably not, math is not my strong suit, they split in 1907. They had no children. Remember this fact. It's important. It comes up in a little bit. This is what writers would call foreshadowing. Anyway, remember, they had no children. Enriqueta lived basically two different lives. By day, this bitch dressed in rags, picked kids that were impoverished off the streets, and made them pretend they were her children. She would go around begging at convents and charity homes. And this bitch had money because by night, the real bitch came out. Like, I'm sorry, but this girl, or lady, whatever, she's a bitch. Enriqueta prostituted children. And at night, she dressed in luxury clothes, wigs, hats. She dressed to the nines at that time. She went to El Lesu and Casino de la Herrabasada. And these were places that the wealthy dwelled at this time. I don't know if that's the case now. I would love to go to Spain. I want to go to Spain right now. I'm an American. COVID has me stuck in this country. But I would love to go to Spain, especially Barcelona. But from what all the articles said, this is where the wealthy dwelled at the time. And they believed that in these places, Enriqueta offered her services as a procurer of kids and she would offer them to the highest bidder to the wealthy and elite of Barcelona. Alrighty, so in 1909, Enriqueta was arrested. She was arrested for having a brothel, selling kids from the ages of fucking 3 to 14. Like, what in your mind has to go wrong for you to prostitute out kids from the ages of 3 to 14 in a brothel? Seriously, you're fucking mental. That's an awful thing to do. Especially, like, not that 14 is any better, but a fucking three-year-old? Those kids, oh, I just, I can't even imagine. But because she spent her nights hanging with the elite and wealthy, who most likely used her services, she was not tried, and the case got lost in judicial red tape. What the fuck? So now I'm going to go into another teensy-weensy tiny little history lesson. So Enriqueta's brothel was discovered and she was arrested during something that was called La Semana Tragica or La Semana Tragica. 
I have seen it both ways, but loosely translated, this was the tragic week. During the tragic week, churches were burnt. There were violent confrontations between the Spanish army and anarchists. And starting on July 25th, 1909, the workers ended up occupying much of central Barcelona. These groups were halting troop trains and overturning trams. By Thursday night, there were riots, street fights. It was just absolute anarchy. And one of the things that the anarchists were revolting against was the Roman Catholic Church because they believed that the church was part of the corrupt upper class. And seeing as this bitch Enriqueta got out, don't know if I can blame them. Sorry, I did I did research this and I did everything that I could. And there's so much more that goes into the La Semana Tragica. But this is what I found. This is kind of how it ties into my story. So I... I'm sorry, Spain. Again, I really don't mean to offend anyone. And if there's any corrections or anything you want me to do about La Semana Tragica or La Semana Tragica, I would love to hear it. I am so sorry if I got anything wrong. I did do my best to research this. But anyway, in total, during the tragic week, police and army casualties left eight dead and 124 injured. It was obviously a bad, scary, as stated, tragic week in Barcelona history. Lives were lost, people were dead, businesses were ruined, all of that fucking stuff. Though, granted, I don't really give a shit if Enriqueta's business was ruined, but there's other people that had businesses ruined that probably didn't deserve it. And not even probably, they didn't deserve it. But as I said, during 1909, Enriqueta's police files, investigation, just everything was lost. And it is believed, and I certainly believe, that higher-ups helped her not get convicted and kind of helped it get lost in the red tape and judicial system so that she wouldn't have to face up to the crimes. I mean... If she got arrested, like, who's to say that she wouldn't fucking turn on these elite people in Barcelona at the time and get them in trouble? But this was a huge fucking mistake because now she was able to walk free for a couple more years. And when I say couple, I really only mean, like, a couple. But this bitch was fucking awful and crazy and psycho, so those couple years, like, it's awful that she was able to keep going for those years. So now I'm going to skip forward to February 27th, 1912. This is when the true atrocities and everything that Enriqueta did ended up coming out. She was living two lives, but at least that's what I said at the beginning. But I would argue that she was living three lives and one of them was not uncovered until this arrest. And it's probably the worst part of those lives. And I'm saying that even with the fact that when I said she had two lives before, she was selling three to 14-year-olds in a brothel. It gets worse. Don't worry. 
But anyway, not only did she have a brothel filled with those three to 14 year olds, but she was also a witch doctor. And I'm all for herbal remedies. I have like high anxiety and I'm on prescriptions and I fucking hate that I'm like designated to these like pharmaceutical medicines. I would rather have like a homeopathic kind of cure for these. So I'm all for like herbal remedies and those kind of things. But in her bitchy, witchy ways, she used ingredients that were made from kids. And when I say made from kids, she used children's blood, hair, bones, most of which was turned into powder, fat, and all of that kind of shit. Just everything from a from a child, a fucking child. And sadly, that made it easier to dispose of the bodies of these children. It's fucking dark, man. Fucking dark. She would prey on the fears of tuberculosis. There was no scientific or medical cure for tuberculosis and basically any other disease at the time. I mean, this was the late 1800s. Like, it wasn't the mortality rate was pretty high but it is said or believed and i definitely believe this that the rich in order to be able to protect themselves against tuberculosis and other diseases they paid enriqueta for her bitchy witchy services bitchy witchy ways which essentially was ingredients and remedies made from fucking kids young kids. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Like, these poor fucking children. But on February 27th, 1912, Enriqueta was arrested at Mezzanine 29 Pone Street. It is no longer Pone Street. It is actually Joaquim Costa Street in Barcelona. Let's do a little rewind. (laughs) It's been a long time. I was like at the end of the VCR kind of days. I don't remember what rewinding sounds like, but let's rewind to a couple of weeks before Enriqueta's arrest. So picture it, February 12th, 1912. So this is when Enriqueta kidnapped her last victim. The last victim's name was Teresetta Geart Kangost. Again, I'm sorry, I probably butchered it. And the public was enraged. Children were going missing all of the time, and the police were just nonchalant about it. The public was pissed because these kids were from poor families, and the police just had a passive, I don't give a shit kind of attitude about it. One badass, if not a little bit of a nosy neighbor of Enriqueta's named Claudia Elias was hot on the trail of Teresita. She was hot on the trail because she saw a little girl at her neighbor, Enriqueta, at her house. Claudia saw the little girl on a balcony, window, something like that. I've seen both in different articles. And Claudia asked if the girl was Enriqueta's daughter. So she'd never seen this girl before. She was kind of curious. She's like, where did this like little girl come from? And 
Enriqueta's reaction probably didn't help with the suspicion that Claudia was having at the time, which is good. But Enriqueta just slammed the window shut without answering her. I can only picture, like, an evil something in her eye as she closed that window. And just like a nosy, gossipy, chatty Kathy neighbor... Claudia went to one of the other male neighbors down the street. I saw he owned, like, a mattress store or something like that. But either way, the neighbor called municipal agent Jose Asens. And then Jose passed this along to the Ribot Brigade. R-I-B-O-T Brigade. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Spain. (laughs) Once they were informed of this information, they searched her home. And when they got to her home, they basically opened the door and found two young girls. They found Teresita. Her hair was cut, and Enriqueta made her go by the name Felicidad. And there was another little girl that went by the name Angelita. Her background, Angelita's background was not as easy to come by. But still, they found the missing girl, Teresita, so now... The girls were being questioned by police, or Enriqueta was being questioned by police, and the police and other people were speaking to the young girls to try and figure out what happened. While Teresita was speaking, they, they kind of got a picture of the story of what happened to her on February 12th. So, as it goes, Enriqueta took her by the hand, promising Teresita candy. They had gone a little further than the girl was comfortable with, and so Teresita told her that she wanted to go back home. When Teresita started putting up a fight, Enriqueta covered her face with a black cloth and brought her to the mezzanine number 29, Pone Street, where she was found. But sadly, the story that Angelita told was a bit more terrifying and Tragic, awful, horrific, atrocious. I can't say it enough. This is awful. So Angelita said that while she was living with Enriqueta, she saw her kill a little boy named Pepito on the kitchen counter. And Enriqueta killed Pepito before Teresita was even taken. She saw this little boy get killed. And obviously, she's a little girl She's fucking terrified, and she ran to her room and pretended that she was asleep. I mean, obviously, she would have thought that something could have happened to her. It's just so fucking sad what happened to these fucking kids. Anyway, in these interviews with the girls, they found out that there were rooms that Teresita and Angelita were not allowed in. They weren't allowed near windows, balconies, obviously, so that they wouldn't be seen, and the girls, or at least Teresita had to call Enriqueta's stepmom. Teresita said that Enriqueta left them alone a lot in the flat. And as Teresita is a kid, she got curious and kind of started to venture into these off-limit areas. But when she came across bloody clothes and things like that, she got fucking disturbed and freaked out, and she, it seems like she kind of stopped her searching at that point. And what's really sad is they didn't know Angelita's real name. Enriqueta changed Teresita's name to Felicidad, so they didn't know if 
Enriqueta changed Angelita's name to Angelita. And if that was her real name or not. And Angelita was so young that she only knew herself as Angelita, which is just so sad. And it was hard to figure out who she was. All Angelita knew at the time was that her dad's name was Juan. She didn't even know a last name. All Enriqueta told her was that her dad's name was Juan. And I mean, just look at that fucking source. It's Enriqueta. Like, you can't really think of her as being honest and telling the truth. And when caught by the police, Enriqueta would tell them that Juan Pujalo, her ex-husband, was the father of Angelita. But this was not the case. And Juan, when he was speaking to the police, was like, fuck no, we didn't have kids. That's not my kid. We didn't have children. And we had been separated for like, separated or divorced for like five years now. This was not his kid. And he made that very clear. And so once Juan spoke up, Enriqueta changed her story. I don't know if it's the truth, but what she said was she took Angelita as an infant from her sister-in-law. She made her sister-in-law believe that the baby was dead. Like I said, I don't know if this is true, but it seems a little closer to the truth than the story of Juan being the father. But once they talked to the girls, Teresita and Angelita, the police turned to Enriqueta. They started questioning her. She told them she found Teresita lost and hungry the day before. Obviously, Claudia and in return, the police called bullshit on this story because Claudia had seen Teresita days before not just the day before, but days before. So there's no way that she had just found her the day before. Then they asked her about the weird things in her house, like bones, hair, etc. She attempted to pass it off as something that wasn't as evil as she actually fucking was. She said she was just studying anatomy, but the police kept pressing her and they went at Enriqueta hard. And she ended up admitting that she used parts of children's bodies as remedies, saying that she was the best at making these remedies. Then, when she was asked about Pepito, they wanted to know more about who he was and more about him after Angelita told them the story of Pepito. Enriqueta told the police that Pepito was entrusted to her. She said that his mother was impoverished and was unable to care for him. She told them he was not dead, he was just ill and at the countryside. Which I can only fucking equate this to like when a kid is young and sadly like their dog dies or something and the person's like, oh, they just went to a farm and they're living their best life. Like as much as I would love to believe that, this is complete bullshit. And it's bullshit because they found the remains of Pepito. So police, like most people, realized that the kids that the public was in outrage over that were missing, at least some of them, if not most of them, were attributed to her. Forensics had already found the remains of 12 kids, and they were not sure of the exact numbers of how many kids that Enriqueta had killed. But she was active for 12 years, and they'd already found the remains of 12 kids. So... They searched her first apartment and found a shit ton of evidence. 
and just eerie, creepy shit. They found bloody clothes, cloths, all of the stuff that Teresita found when she kind of went exploring. But then they ended up finding out that Enriqueta Marti also went by the name Enriqueta Marina, and she had apartments in that name. So they checked the apartments that were under this name. They found the apartments on Teyer Street, Picaques, Jacques Florals, and her family's home in Sant Felu de Llobregat. Again, I'm so sorry for pronouncing these wrong if I pronounced them wrong, and I probably did. I'm so sorry. But just like any at any point, like this would even happen now, but rumors ran rampant at this time. Most people believed that Enriqueta kept a tally of her victims, but this wasn't true. And because they didn't know the exact numbers of victims, they were unsure if she was the deadliest serial killer in Spain, which to me just means that there's a chance she was the deadliest serial killer in Spain, at least at that time. In all of Enriqueta's different places, they they searched, they had warrants. I don't know if it was warrants at that time, but basically they searched all of her properties and every apartment that she had in those two names. They found weird, luxurious wardrobes in a lounge at one of her places that had beautiful clothes for little girls and boys. Then, on the complete opposite spectrum, she had another room with some fucked up shit. I mean, trigger warning, you might, if you want to skip 15 seconds, I wouldn't blame you, but there's some weird shit coming up. So there were pictures, washbowls, jars, all with human remains. These had preserved human remains. There was blood, hair, skeleton hands, powdered bones, and oh, I just, I can't go on. The, like, it's just fucked up. And in other flats, they found false walls and ceilings that contained human remains. They found the remains of three-year-olds, six-year-olds, and eight-year-olds. They also found her witchy bitchy books. She had written recipes, potions, and everything in her own calligraphy. There were coded letters, and these letters were believed to hold important names and figures in Barcelona society. The public was outraged when she was caught because they wanted her to pay, but they also wanted to know the names of the people that were on the list, the high society people that were on her lists, and they figured that those people wouldn't pay for it. And out of fear of riots, because like I said, in 1909, there was the La Semana Tragica, they were scared of riots, and so police quickly came out and said, that the list was a list of rich people that Enriqueta had swindled. Not that used her services, but that she swindled. Doth protest too much, methinks. Anyway, the public was outraged because the kids that were taken from families, the families didn't have the means or capability to search for them. And this is one of the reasons we don't know the full extent of her horrible, horrible, horrible nature. But once news got out about Enriqueta and her crimes, an Aragonese woman ended up coming forward. This woman said that she was traveling with her infant son, and her infant son was kidnapped by a woman. This 
Aragonese woman was tired, hungry, and Enriqueta, under the guise of being nice and wanting to be helpful, told the woman that she would hold the baby while she got things together for him, kind of took a little, like, couple-minute break from the travel, whatever. But then the woman that was holding this woman's baby disappeared, and the infant son was kidnapped. She said that she knew right when she saw the news that the person who took her baby was Enriqueta. I don't know, but it was a young infant boy. I mean, could this have been Pepito's mom? I I don't know. I'm just speculating, and there are probably, sadly, awfully, a lot more kids that were victims of Enriqueta, but who knows? And while Enriqueta was in prison, she attempted suicide, and the public was fucking not having that. They wanted her to pay for her crimes, and they wanted the elite and wealthy of Barcelona who used her services, they wanted them to pay too. And after this suicide attempt, they put more guards on Enriqueta. I think I saw that it was three guards that they placed outside of her cell. And instead of being in a cell all by her lonesome, she got some roomies. And it was said that even in her sleep, if the blanket or sheets ended up covering her face, immediately they would pull them down so that she could not secretly complete suicide. So before she went to trial, and basically anything in the judicial system at that time got started, Enriqueta was killed in prison. She was killed one year and three months, or on May 12, 1913, by being beaten and lynched by other prisoners. It was not pretty. But back then, just like now, if you're in prison for anything having to do with children, it will not end well for you at all. It is just kind of a known fact that anyone that does something to a child does not fare well in prison. But the fact that she was killed and she had ties to the elite of Barcelona, uh, I don't know. It kind of seems like a Jeffrey Epstein-ish kind of situation, but that's just the tinfoil hat in me. It's just weird that she ended up dead before she could even go to trial. And who knows if she would have ended up naming the people on that list. But when all of this happened, authorities said that she died due to an illness, which was just complete and utter bullshit and a cover-up. She did not die due to illness. She was beaten and lynched, and that's what happened. And Enriqueta ended up going to the grave with her, with the names of the people that were on that list. No one knows, no one knew then and no one knows now, like, who was on that list, what they did, how they were attributed, like how they were connected to Enriqueta. No one knows these things because she died with that information. And Enriqueta was buried in a commoner's grave in Cementario del Sudeste in Barcelona. So that is the story of Enriqueta Martí or the Vampire of Barcelona or the Vampire of El Revel. I've seen it of, I've seen it referred to as all of those things. But now, to keep going where I started last week, this is The Fright is Over. <laughs> the Fright is Over with Holland. So, 
This is like right off the news in True Crime Daily. There was a 29-year-old man that was jailed after he fatally stabbed an 85-year-old man at a store in Adrian, Michigan. Police were called to the store at like 12.30 p.m. with reports of a stabbing. The victim had sustained multiple stab wounds to the head and neck and was pronounced dead at the scene, which is awful, horrible, atrocious. My heart goes out to that family. But one badass woman with a concealed pistol, and she was licensed to have this concealed pistol, witnessed the stabbing, and she drew her pistol on the subject and ordered him to the ground after he stabbed this man, and she held him at gunpoint until officers could arrive and take him away. Like, how badass is that? I don't even know if I'd have the guts to do that, but that's just so freaking cool. This badass woman was just like, nah, not gonna have it. You did this shit, the police are coming to get you. It's just amazing. And that per- that woman, like, God bless her. She's awesome. So she basically like took justice into her own hands and was like, I know that this guy died. It's fucking awful. This poor man is dead, but I'm going to make sure that this man gets justice by pulling my gun and making sure that the person that did this doesn't get away with it. It's just fucking badass and awesome. So that is my little version of the fright is over for this week. I'm so glad that you guys tuned into another episode of Fight or Fright. I love you guys. I really enjoy doing this. Please, please, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I would love to hear your reviews, what you think of the podcast. I just, I've had a couple people kind of review and say some things and it's just super sweet what everyone has to say. And I love doing this and it really helps if you rate and subscribe and review my podcast on Apple, on Apple podcast. It is super helpful and I love it. And thank you. You guys are amazing. I love you. Friders. You're awesome. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at fight or fright pod or Holland Elise. And on Facebook, I am at fight or fright pod at Twitter. I am fight fright pod and On Gmail, I am fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to bring you next week's episodes. Remember, don't fight this fright. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at fightorfrightpod and on Gmail at fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different in there, and that's at Fight Fright Pod. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it, and it would really help me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Even just spreading the word to family, friends, people you know that enjoy true crime, mysteries, paranormal, all of that kind of stuff. And this is Holland, and I'll see you next week when I tell you another crazy story. And remember, you don't have to fight this fright.